Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the fourth episode of the CBO Podcast. Today we have Marissa and Malik talking about bilingualism. Enjoy. Yes. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm here on the podcast for the CVO podcast series with Marissa Saint-Amand, our um, commissioner for uh, French affairs with UOSU. And I'm the CVO VP Bilingual. So as you guys might be guessing right now, um, the topic of this podcast today will be bilingualism and kind of the, I guess, space it takes in campus life and in um campus extracurriculars in general as well um so i'll let marissa introduce herself yeah hi like like malik said i'm marissa the francophone affairs commissioner um for usu um i guess i can talk a little bit about my background in bilingualism in student life specifically um so i used to be the um bilingualism the director of bilingualism for ipsa the international Policy and Political Studies Student Association. I messed up that acronym. It's very long. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically I translated uh, everything that needed to be translated for, for my student association. Um, I also worked at the Bilingualism Center uh, last year, and um, I've been involved in a club as well as the com- communications director um, in translating things. Um, yeah. All right. So for myself, um, I've been involved in bilingualism and I guess kind of um, I guess language communication for quite a bit on campus. Um, one of the big things that kind of like, I guess, put me on the map when it comes to bilingualism was being bilingual for the SSA. Um, so Science Students Association for the, the ones that maybe don't know the acronym, but um, essentially being like, the biggest fed body on campus we had a lot of promotional content a lot of events and it was kind of my responsibility to one obviously translate everything which is very time consuming but also um to make sure that the events are inclusive of the bilingual the bilingual community and that all of our services are available in both language um so i, I think both having been i guess vp bilinguals for student associations we definitely relate on uh when the struggle, but also on the impact it has on the yeah. students we're helping. Yeah, when you say struggles, what what are you specifically talking about here? I don't um, know if we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, for me, it was translating the meeting minutes for our like five hour long meetings because yeah. that would be like fifteen <laughs> pages of translation, and that definitely I think was the bane of my existence. Um, yeah, but... definitely don't miss that. <laughs> exactly like uh i'm not doing it this year so i'm blessed when it comes to that but i've also gone involved with a, quite a few clubs on campus that um promote bilingualism through their through offering services that are available in both languages for example i'm vp communications for the ignite medical case competition so it's a little like research competition where people come together and learn about research and like the medical field and kind of like share their ideas and create abstracts and all all competitors can apply in the language of their choosing so it's really important for me to be able to put out promotional content in french as well so we can reach that audience as well and obviously cvo i'm the bilingual and i i'm helping out bilingualism with other clubs as well that i'm part in but yeah i definitely think that outside of having like i mean i wonder if you feel the same about that but um 
I, I feel like sometimes, even if your position isn't necessarily about bilingualism, having that background in bilingualism and having been bilingual for so many things really helps you put everything into perspective yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. to making your events accessible. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, because it's always in the back of your mind. Um, mm-hmm. Even just as, even not having experience in um, like bilingualism specifically, just being a bilingual person, you or a francophone, um, you sort of just um, think about that automatically. You're like, mm-hmm. well, maybe like my friends who are, who don't really understand English, they might not be f- feeling as welcome in this event if mm-hmm. if we're not advertising it in both languages. Um, but I think that also, like, leads into, like, people sort of being put into that role because they're bilingual. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are the only bilingual exec of a club, for example, everyone just turns to you for translations or, yeah. like, that sort of thing. I've noticed that happens a lot. <laughs> I, I think that's something that happens with, like, every minority in a way mm. in the sense that you kind of become the spokesperson of your group whenever you're put in that situation because let's say like as a minority of color for example your just your existence in these spaces is advocacy and you kind of have a role to always have at the back of your mind that your experience is not the same experience as the other people and I think it makes you way more open-minded to be bilingual um, because you understand that you, you've had to be in situations where there was a language barrier for you to understand that you, what you're doing can, have, can create a language barrier for others. Uh, for, for example, um, I remember uh, I, I was mostly a francophone before maybe grade 11-ish, but then I moved abroad for my studies and my studies there were only in English. So I kind of had to adapt and learn the language. And that was a big cultural shock for me, I guess, which I understand can be for a lot of francophone people moving in let's say from france to you ottawa for their studies you the university is bilingual it's really important to make sure that our student life also is bilingual yeah definitely did you have a similar experience um i would say like definitely moving from i mean i i live in Saskatchewan. i'm from saskatchewan originally uh, which is a very anglophone province mm-hmm. um but i went to school in french and um like my, both my parents are bilingual. My my dad is francophone. My mom is anglophone. Um, so like I definitely wouldn't say that I had any like there weren't very many barriers in terms of language. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely lived in a very bilingual like environment. All right. Um. Thank you a lot for your insight. Um. I'll move on to I guess our next topic of discussion. But this time we'll be answering in French. So I'll be asking you the question in French. Um, for uh, some of the viewers that are new to the podcast, just FYI, we might have some bits in French, some in English. And um, you're welcome to try your best to understand it, but you can also skip through it. And if you don't understand what the specific topic we're talking about is. Um, but I'll move on to asking you our next question, which I'll try to phrase it in French. But um, pourquoi penses-tu qu'en général, c'est vraiment important pour les clubs étudiants, les um, associations étudiantes et um, pour le syndicat étudiant d'essayer d'être aussi bilingue que possible? Ben, c'est vraiment une question de, d'inclusion 
et d'être aussi euh, inclusif et accueillant que possible, à, à, accommodant aussi à tous les, tous les étudiants. Um, je disais, um, je crois que c'est vraiment, yeah, c'est vraiment une question d'inclusion. Um, le, le plus de personnes qu'on qu peut, qu peut atteindre, qu'on peut accueillir le mieux. Um, je crois que quand on ajoute um, l'aspect de bilinguisme à un club ou à une association ou à um, une organisation, ça, ça ouvre plus de portes pour les membres, pour um, ça, ça donne l'option à plus de gens à participer. Et c'est vraiment, ça, ça permet de, de plus engager um, la communauté étudiante. Uh, donc, c'est vraiment dans l'intérêt des, des clubs de, de devenir bilingue ou de um, promouvoir le bilingue. Mm -hmm. et, et aussi, je pense que c'est vraiment important d'avoir beaucoup d'environnements bilingues parce que, um, c est, c est, déjà, ce serait moins, ce serait pas juste, mais aussi, um, c'est un peu dans la nature de la vie universitaire de s'impliquer dans notre communauté étudiante. Et puis, j'ai l'impression que créer un environnement qui offre beaucoup d'opportunités bilingues pour les étudiants qui sont complètement francophones leur permet vraiment de s'intégrer dans la communauté universitaire. Et puis, au final, va souvent les encourager à um, un peu ne, ne pas s'isoler socialement et aussi à chercher à promouvoir le bilinguisme de leur propre façon. Parce que très souvent, il y a des individus qui on va dire, on le français comme première langue, mais qui sont pas hyper confortables avec leur anglais. Mmh. Avoir des clubs qui leur permettent de s'exprimer en français, leur permet un peu de comme s'ouvrir aux perspectives des autres, de pratiquer leur voix, mais aussi euh, les expose au côté un peu anglophone de la chose et leur les encourage vraiment à devenir des étudiants bilingues plus équilibrés, ce qui peut énormément les aider par la suite dans le marché du travail. Oui, très bon point. Um, bah. C'est vrai que pas tous les clubs sont, sont bilingues. Il um, n'y a pas d'exigence de, um, de la part de l'université ou de, um, du syndicat que les clubs soient bilingues, mais um, c'est vraiment encouragé qu'ils le soient. Mm -hmm. um, mais selon toi, pourquoi est-ce qu'il y a tellement de clubs ou d'organisations qui ne sont pas encore bilingues? Mm -hmm. um... Je, je pense que c'est effectivement une question de statistiques, bien sûr. Il y a moins d'étudiants bilingues que d'étudiants purement anglophones euh, sur le campus. Et euh, en règle générale, c'est on s'est habitué, étant dans une société qui est très américano-centriste, je suppose, euh, on vit dans un environnement qui glorifie beaucoup l'utilisation de l'anglais et qui très souvent un peu met de côté des individus d'autres minorités linguistiques. Et puis... Um, même si les deux langues officielles canadiennes sont le français et l'anglais, très souvent, il um, y a beaucoup de nos étudiants qui sont um, qui ont vraiment juste accès à des services et de l'éducation en anglais. Ce qui fait en sorte que c'est un peu plus difficile pour un club qui n'a pas énormément de membres bilingues de créer un bilinguisme qui semble sincère. Um, mm -hmm. Parce que très souvent, c'est « Ok, on est neuf personnes qui parlent qu'un anglais, une personne bilingue, on va leur faire faire traduire les, nos choses pour avoir pour pouvoir atteindre plus d'étudiants, ce qui vraiment pas un problème parce que c'est ce qu'on encourage. On veut vraiment produire du contenu promotionnel dans les deux langues. Par contre, euh, je pense qu'une des façons de d'un peu une des raisons principales justement pourquoi beaucoup de clubs sont bilingues anglais, c'est une, une question de manque de représentation. 
Et aussi, parfois, c'est um, parce que certains individus, je suppose, en position de pouvoir dans ces clubs-là, ne n'ont pas nécessairement vécu les... n'ont pas nécessairement une appréciation pour les avantages du bilinguisme et pour... Um, et, et un peu avoir les, les raisons pourquoi c'est important de faire un effort supplémentaire pour inclure des étudiants bilingues. Parce que... Um, Très souvent, ils ont été exposés à des environnements unilingues anglais. Donc, je pense vraiment que une des façons déjà, bien sûr, encourager le bilinguisme chez les étudiants va augmenter un peu le placement bilingue, ce qui va augmenter la visibilité des étudiants bilingues, mais aussi euh, d'un peu, peu mener par l'exemple en ayant des événements bilingues et des associations et en, en ayant par exemple un syndicat bilingue. Puis, c'est super important ta position au sein du syndicat parce que ça montre que beaucoup d'éléments importants à la vie étudiante sont bilingues et doivent rester bilingues, ce qui encourage les clubs à faire de même versus si beaucoup des grandes associations ou des syndicats, etc. étaient unilingues anglais, ça donnerait pas vraiment le bon exemple au club. Mais oui, définitivement, je pense que c'est un défi parce que le français, c'est déjà une langue assez difficile et c'est assez difficile de trouver des gens qui sont confortables à s'exprimer en français. Um, c'est ça. Donc, c'est vraiment un des aspects difficiles de la chose. Oui, et pour revenir sur euh, ton point sur euh, quand il y a genre une personne de bilingue dans un exec de neuf personnes, mm -hmm. euh, ça, ça fait beaucoup de travail pour cette personne-là. Mm -hmm. euh, la traduction, c'est pas facile. I mean, ça dépend de ton niveau de français, de ton niveau de confort dans l'écriture. Mm -hmm. euh, mais c'est vraiment... C'est pas euh, super simple comme, comme travail. Mmh. Um, et même le, durant les événements, si, um, si c'est un événement dit bilingue, il faut, il faut une personne qui traduit en même temps que la personne parle. Et ça, ça mmh. rend l'événement très... Ça peut alourdir l'événement. Um, ça peut aussi... Um, it's nerve-wracking for the person yeah. translating. Like, c'est stressant. <laughs> I, I totally understand. Um, actually, could you further elaborate on some of the challenges you've been facing as a translation entity on campus? Yeah. I mean, like, just things like technical terms, translating mm -hmm. technical terms and stuff. Um, I didn't get a lot of that in, like, the club or... Um, I mean, there was technical terms and like social media terms, mm -hmm. things like, um, uh, I can't think of anything specific, but, um, swipe left, for example, <laughs> yeah, things like that, that like just, you just don't even say in French. Like there's some expressions that just don't translate. Um, mm -hmm. another issue that's sort of like aside from this, but people on, on your team who, Um, just, like, they expect very, very high standards and, like, you know, translate something immediately. Yeah. Um, it, it can sometimes just... be very, like, unrealistic. <laughs> exactly. And I've had that happen to me today, actually. Somebody yeah. just said, like, can you translate this within the next two hours? And I did it because I was, like, at a coffee shop on my computer and I was available. But sometimes I'm not available and you really have to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I literally, um, I I feel like 
last minute translations can be super stressful because you're kind of putting the weight on bilingual of bilingualism on somebody with a deadline and we're often people that are very involved in other things as well so we don't necessarily have the time to um, answer a 3 a.m text with a translation but we really do our best and i find it really um important and very um heartwarming when people really appreciate the effort mm -hmm. we put in and they they realize that usually you would have one person creating the promotional content that's their whole job yeah. but like we're translating the content but also actively participating in so many other aspects of the um of the pro process but yeah it's definitely very difficult i i agree with you and <laughs> on that actually to, yeah, yeah? <laughs> what would be actually the hardest thing you've translated in your times as mm. i would say like i think last last year um we were trying to translate the ipsa chance for 101 week oh no um, that is so <laughs> hard to do because they're so catchy like, they're all, yeah they're all in english they all rhyme they like have like a certain rhythm to them it's mm -hmm. just almost impossible to translate something like that um yeah so like i worked with my committee um and we like uh one of my one of my committee members put together like some like pretty pretty good translations for it but it just wasn't the same like it, it's mm -hmm. hard to it's hard to do that sort of thing i would say yeah. that would be the hardest thing i had to translate um, yeah i remember um when they tried to do as the show me how you get down for one one week in french yeah. <laughs> that was a whole mess oh, man. <laughs> but yeah um I, I definitely agree like chants and songs are very hard to translate mm -hmm. that's why i usually go like full like I, I i become unhinged and i literally just make a whole new song in french that kind of tackles the same themes yeah. but isn't nearly the same because sometimes it's good to have something different that is just as good versus trying to like make it match yeah but direct yeah. translations are not always the answer <laughs> and in i'd say like the thing that was hardest for me um was on SSA translating bits of the constitution because mm. I feel like for our social media posts we have a lot of freedom or for emails and newsletters or any other contact with students we have a lot of freedom as long as we we kind of like convey the same information it doesn't really matter how we do it and I usually yeah. translate by like sometimes changing a full sentence structure or using words that the person in English didn't use because I feel like it better fits the nuances of the French language but um the constitutions have to be very specific in their wording. Very technical, like exactly. Yeah. And some terms like I don't know, um, reaching quorum in this assembly, mm -hmm. whatever. You have to make sure to always like look up in past amendments yeah. to the constitution and then finding the terms again to make sure it's set in the same thing. Because sometimes like uh, association council can be said in so many different ways in French, and you need to make sure you're using the one that fits exactly mm -hmm. what was used before um, context is everything <laughs> exactly so i i feel like it's definitely way harder to translate when within a rigid format and that's probably why like a lot of official documents are translated by professional translators because mm -hmm. it's a lot more work um versus kind of like re not that it's less important but reaching out to students you have a lot more freedom mm -hmm. as to what you can do because you can get the yeah. message across in and as long as you do that, it's fine. <laughs> yes. All right. 
So, do you want to follow up with our next topic? Maybe in French this time? Sure. Um, were we talking about translations? But, um, comment. Quel est ton processus pour, pour les traductions, d'habitude? Um, quel genre d'outils est-ce que, est que tu utilises? Hmm. Um, personnellement, euh, j'ai un système qui fonctionne assez bien um, et que j'ai utilisé justement dans la SSC, mais aussi dans d'autres um, un peu groupes étudiants de, desquels j'ai fait partie. Mais um, très souvent, je demande aux gens de m'envoyer un... de créer un Google Doc avec leur partie du texte en anglais et puis par la suite de me laisser de l'espace pour que je puisse faire la traduction en français par la suite. Um, et puis, ce que j'aime beaucoup, c'est que ça me donne un peu l'opportunité de traduire à mon rythme, parce que je peux toujours venir racheter des choses au document. Deux, ça apparaît dans le Google Drive de la personne. Donc, surtout quand tu as, um, as un courriel spécifique à ton association, par exemple, um, promotion à SSAIS, par exemple. Um, très souvent, ça va apparaître dans leur Google Drive, vu que ça a été créé comme un Google Doc ce qui permet de retrouver des traductions plus facilement et puis un peu, ils peuvent avoir réutilisé les traductions que j'ai utilisées dans le passé ou de me demander de retraduire la même chose. Et euh, ce que j'aime beaucoup, c'est que question, ça, au lieu de m'envoyer des courriels hyper longs avec tout ce qu'il y a à traduire, ils peuvent juste m'envoyer un courriel, voici ce qu'est la traduction, j'aurais besoin vers cette période ou whatever, comme, comme une échéance. Et puis par la suite, juste le lien qui est une ligne et puis qui est vraiment facile à juste cliquer pour moi. Et puis, euh, ce que je faisais quand j'avais une boîte de réception assez occupée avec la SSC, euh, je faisais juste mettre une petite étoile sur ce que j'ai pas traduit. Et puis par la suite, quand j'avais du temps, j'allais dans mes emails avec les étoiles, mes starred emails, et puis je pouvais juste en cliquer sur les liens, puis à y accéder. Et ce qui est encore bien, c'est que quand on utilise des euh, plateformes de gestion de travail en groupe, comme Slack, Asana, Monday.com, toutes les différentes versions de la chose, um, les gens peuvent justement mettre sur ta liste de tâches le lien, et puis c'est facile, tu peux cliquer le lien, et puis c'est ça compresse vraiment bien les choses, et puis personnellement, j'adore. Um, sinon, par rapport à, au, à, la, au, à la spécificité du processus, um, avant, je traduisais tout à la main, um, parce que j'étais un peu un snob des logiciels de traduction, j'étais comme, c'est pas, pas la bonne chose. Je euh, pas que tout ça... le monde a ce... À ce... Ce processus, oui. oui. Ce processus, oui. <rire> euh, parce que justement, comme j'avais l'impression que ça me prenait parfois plus de temps de le traduire via un truc et puis après de le modifier que tout simplement de le produire à partir de ma tête. Euh, par contre, euh, récemment, j'ai découvert euh, l'extension le, pour ordinateur DeepL euh, versus utiliser leur site web. Et puis, ça me permet de, de mettre à traduire n'importe quel petit morceau de phrase vraiment facilement. Et puis, par la suite, comme je peux faire des modifications sur la traduction qui vont ajuster le reste de la phrase. Ce qui veut dire que si j'aime pas un certain mot, je peux le modifier et puis ça va ajuster le reste de la phrase au fur et à mesure. Ce qui me donne beaucoup plus de contrôle sur la traduction et qui fait en sorte qu'au final, je finis par avoir une traduction qui est, euh, qui est qui fonctionne bien grammaticalement, bien sûr, mais aussi qui un peu fonctionne avec mon style d'écriture et mes préférences. Um, sans compromettre justement l'efficacité du processus. Donc c'est un peu cet entre-deux que j'aime bien. J'aime pas directement la traduction, bien sûr, de la machine, parce que la machine souvent est trop formelle ou pas assez formelle. Mmh. Mais um, 
une fois que j'ai beaucoup de modifications, euh, ça me permet un peu de trouver un équilibre, puis ça m'a sauvé énormément de temps récemment. J'aurais tellement aimé avoir ça pendant que je faisais mes longues traductions pour la SSC. Euh, ça a été mmh. vraiment utile. Par contre, bien sûr, je n'encourage pas juste d'utiliser la machine et puis pas y toucher. Mais ouais, euh, qu'est-ce que tu en penses de ton bar? Non, j'allais justement mentionner DeepL. C'est vraiment bien comme, comme outil. Um, Google Translate, je, je crois que tout le monde a un consensus qu'on ne le touche pas. <rire> on peut <rire> l'utiliser pour des Translate. mots spécifiques des fois, <rire> ouais. mais très rarement. Yeah. Mais pour des mots techniques, je trouve que um, Lingui, Lingui, I don't know, je ne sais pas comment dire. Um, Lingui. <rire> Lingui. Lingui. Yeah. <rire> Elle est très bien comme outil parce que ça donne um, les mots dans le contexte d'une phrase avec mm -hmm. plusieurs exemples. Um, mais ton processus est like, super organisé. Le mien plutôt... Uh, <rire> Je, les gens m'envoyaient par courriel ou par euh, Google Drive um, ce qu'ils voulaient de traduire mm -hmm. um, et je faisais juste un side-by-side side, euh, je faisais okay. je traduisais à, à côté de l'original um, mm -hmm. et si, si c'était quelque chose de vraiment court comme juste un, un caption pour, euh, pour Instagram ou, ou quoi que ce soit Um, ils m'ont envoyé juste un message et d'habitude, mm -hmm. je, je répondais um, pas mal rapidement. Okay. Mais oui, au début, uh, j'admets que um, je voulais pas utiliser des outils pour, uh, pour traduire. Mm -hmm. genre, non, non, je suis bilingue, je peux, je peux faire sans, sans outils, mais c'est vraiment um, dans l'intérêt de l'efficacité, c'est mm -hmm. vraiment bien. Et, et puis justement, je pense que euh, malgré le fait que j'avais un système très organisé pour mes traductions et puis j'ai créé des échéances tout de suite au début, euh, bien sûr, une fois que tu es plus confortable avec ton équipe de promotion, mm -hmm. euh, comme notre gestionnaire des réseaux sociaux, c'était c'est une de mes meilleures amies, <rire> donc euh, elle faisait juste m'envoyer parfois des petites traductions quand c'est des mots par-ci par-là. J'aime juste pas justement quand les gens assument que tu vas traduire des longs paragraphes pour eux parce qu'ils les envoient par texte. Parce que ouais. traduire par texte, devoir remonter le texte, relire la phrase, redescendre, et traduire, c'est vraiment pas efficace. Donc, moi, j'étais comme email où je le touche pas, <rire> sauf par exception très spécifique. Ouais. Mais um, Google Docs, c'est vraiment pratique parce que tu peux avoir tout dans ouais. le même document. Ce qui est vraiment mieux que m'envoyer un Word document, je suis obligé de le prendre, créer un nouveau Word document, le recevoir dans mon ordi, le traduire et puis te renvoyer les deux. Ça, ça fait un peu chier personnellement et puis ça rend ça plus lent. Oui, c'est aussi utile quand euh, pas tout le monde a, a cette, euh, ce luxe, mais euh, d'avoir un, un, un coéquipier euh, bilingue qui peut traduire, ensuite juste vérifier avec toi. Euh, mm. Ça m'a ça vraiment aidé euh, parce que surtout à, à, à l'AIP, euh, le directeur des communications était bilingue, donc il, il écrivait ce qu'il voulait dire, ensuite il, il, il le passait par moi. Um, mm -hmm. Mais parfois, s'il y a d'autres um, membres bilingues qui sont en charge de la promotion, etc., ça peut, um, ça se peut qu'ils qu font juste uh, publier, publier de quoi ah, sans, sans consulter. Ah, ça, ça, je me suis battu ça, beaucoup ça, de ça, fois. <rire> Like, the number of times I had to fight somebody over this. Oh my god. <laughs> c'est vraiment fou. Uh, je, oh my god, je me rappelle. Puis tout ce qu'après ça. Same. It's like, <laughs> you don't want to micromanage, but if it's part of your position and it's literally yeah. within your mandate to do something, 
it's kind of important to at least be managing yeah. that. Um, I, yeah, exactly. Like I've had people like not send me death threats, but like attack me um, over a bad translation. I was like, uh, my French is impeccable. Don't at me. <laughs> I did not translate yeah. that. Because, like, you try your best to have it look very, like, nice, professional every single time. And then somebody, like, translates it, translates it, translates it, like, and you're fucked. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you might want to edit that out. Maybe you bleep this. But, uh, <laughs> unless we're allowed to swear. Are we allowed to swear, Hassan? Yeah, swearing aloud. Yes, thank you. Uh, I can live my non-censored life now. But yes, but yes, should we move on? I guess let's see. Um, I I guess that's a really quick one. Um, why is it important to you to have the French first and the English when it comes to translations and social media posts? It's yeah, that's a question actually that comes up a lot. Um, some people don't think it's like super important. I think it's a newer thing with uh, with um, Iwosu. Um, but something that I usually say is that, um, like, French, sorry, the, the campus is bilingual, um, mm-hmm. but we recognize that French is the minority language, yeah. um, and so just to sort of keep things um, even and, and make make sure that Francophones feel um, like they're not just, like, an afterthought mm-hmm. <laughs> to put thing put French first and then English. Um, it is not, it's not that hard. Um like I know some some clubs that I've been involved with, they choose to do English first. Like it's really not um, I don't the know, biggest it, deal. Yeah, but it's it's just like a nice a nice extra step to take. Yeah, and, and I definitely think that um, having a lot of French first content on your social media page definitely um, it's kind of assumed that all content will be available in English. But it's never assumed that it will be in French. Exactly. So when people see that there is French popping up on your profile, they know that you're yeah. bilingual automatically. Like, c'est Versus... it's, it's exactly. Really so like, if you're a French speaker and you go through somebody's profile and the French is always put second, you might not be able to know that there are opportunities for bilingualism in that association or whatever mm-hmm. else. Um, so what I've been doing is, first, let's say everything was French first. I was very adamant about that. <laughs> um, and ev- and everybody knows that student associations are mostly bilingual, which makes it very easy for us to put French first without people thinking we're like a French club or losing any clout. And from the statistics that we got on our social media, a lot of, there's very few people that like will click off or um, stop watching a story because there's French first. We've ha- mm-hmm. always had very high reach regardless and people are used to it. Um, but I know for like some smaller clubs, they've been like wanting to promo and they want to have, let's say like a certain word in English pop up first and then the word in French. Um, so usually one of the compromises I make and it usually ends up being better off when it comes to the, um, well-being of the club's media image, um, is to have alternating posts, um, for the competition I was telling you about for which I'm VP Communications, um, we would do like one post in English, one post in French, and it kind of creates a grid where you can easily see that there is like French and English. So 
the posts will always be bilingual, like one slide in French, one slide in English, but their order will alternate um, so that every student can feel welcomed looking to that profile. Like, hey, there's words in French, there's words in English. Yeah. But as soon as they slide, they know every single post is bilingual. Um, and for and for the captions, I haven't been that picky about it. It's fine, I think, to have the captions start out in English, as long as they say, like, French follows. Mm -hmm. um, especially, like, if a lot of, if it's a short caption and, like, 95% of your audience is, speaks English, then you want to have your pop-in word right there. And then French follows is not the worst deal, but I still like it when French always comes first. And I think for more official associations, it's imperative to have French mm -hmm. first. And I think another point um, that I just thought of in during events, when there's mm -hmm. someone like moderating or hosting the event um, and like giving announcements, if the English is first, people tend to stop listening once they switch to French. Mm -hmm. um, and which is very like, it can be disruptive at the, at wor in worst case and just like sort of disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the best, like, compromise for that, I usually try to um, cut it into smaller portions, just, like, have, say something in French and then the same thing yeah. in English, and then just keep alternating instead of, like, one huge mm -hmm. long speech in English and then the same huge long speech in French, because people are not going to listen yeah. to the whole thing. I, I definitely think this makes a lot of sense, and also, like, if you have a slightly longer, I guess, part of your speech, um, and you do it in French... Uh, usually, like, people know enough French to be able to, like, listen to bits of it and kind mm -hmm. of get the gist of what you're saying. So they'll still be, like, interested in what you're saying and it might help them be exposed to, like, more French. But then when the English comes on, either free, done by yourself as well or somebody else, um, they can kind of, like, make some sense out of the, the ton of French they've just heard. Yeah. And it really helps people in their process of understanding French because one of the big reasons why people come to Ottawa is because it's a bilingual community and it's it's a huge asset. I've gotten so many jobs from being bilingual. <laughs> I've had so many opportunities open to me from being bilingual and I'm very proud of how Ottawa is doing their best to promote bilingualism. Obviously, there's still ways to go, but um, yeah, uh, it's just... Like, what would be the benefits, actually, um, of being bilingual for any aspect of university life, according to you? I would say, like like I mentioned before, um, to be more inclusive, more welcoming, um, you get more students involved in whatever it is you are doing. Um, like, the, the, the bigger, like, the more bilingual you are, the more, like, you reach out actively to students and to student populations, the more um, engagement you're going to get, the more successful your club or organization or whatever it is you're doing mm -hmm. is going to be. Um, and it's not, it's not only about the club. It's about welcoming students, um, mm -hmm. like, and not only focusing on like one, um, yeah. one group, whether or not that's intentional. I would mm -hmm. say, yeah, definitely just being more welcoming is, like, the biggest the biggest yeah. part of that. And, and very often, it might feel like it's not the strategic move to do, even though it is, um, but uh, catering to, to minorities 
whether they're linguistic minorities or in any other situation. Let's, if we're talking about accessibility needs, for example, for okay. disabled individuals or et cetera, et cetera, um, I definitely think that um, it is very important and it is, you're kind of paving the way for the future in if you're including even one more person because your club is bilingual or including one more person at your event because your event is accessible or um, literally any other aspect of daily life, corporations, hiring more people of color, et cetera, et cetera. Just like having a more diverse pool of people, um, even though it might not seem like it makes the whole difference if there's like 20 Stacys and one non-Stacy. Um, but I definitely think that, no offense to anybody named Stacy, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but... Um, Basically, uh, I definitely think that just bring that extra perspective really like enriches your club, and yeah. that and having an having a group with different point of views is super important. And the point of, especially in Canada, the point of view of somebody that has lived in French and experienced bilingualism in multiple aspects of its, I guess, entity entity, um, I think is super valuable, and yeah. definitely down the line as well uh, when it comes to the mark the work market or whatever else um the marché du travail um <laughs> it, when it comes to like workspaces um you sometimes let's say you're a government worker you literally get paid extra money to speak french um and there's so many other jobs where especially in customer service especially in retail especially in um Whenever it comes to like talking to people and communications, being bilingual is a very big asset because if somebody speaks to you in French, which will happen, especially like in Ottawa, yeah. there's a really big French population, you'll you won't be taken aback and you'll be able to, you know, offer services for everybody and ultimately that's what we want as student leaders to offer our services to as many people as possible. And yeah, I definitely think that's why it's very essential to be inclusive. And yes, everyone wins. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, um, I think that's pretty much most of yeah. We okay. went through like a lot of what we wanted to talk about, and it, it was a really good conversation. I'm happy yeah, we we're able you. to have it in both <laughs> languages. And once again, if do you have any words to I don't know finish a conversation or something else you want to say or something you want to direct to any club on campus that might be I mean, listening to this yeah i think we we covered we covered everything but um just final words i think if if you are a club or a part of a club um that is not yet bilingual um i would consider strongly um like trying to accommodate that whether it's by um finding reaching out to more club members that speak french or speak the other language um and and just getting as many like reaching out to as many people as possible it's it's there's no mm -hmm. way you can really go wrong in that sense exactly yeah. um i feel the same way I remember when we were having our guide applications for one in one week uh i remember for the s s a um people on the application forms would um, have to disclose languages they were comfortable speaking. And it, it's not discrimination against the English speakers because we still hired a lot of people that only spoke English. 
but giving a slight priority to bilingual individuals really helped create a more inclusive one-on-one week where we had a lot of students ask questions in French and having somebody around at least every room that speaks French is super important. So again, if you're a club member and you're or a club president and you're hearing this or anybody involved in the recruitment of members in your association, definitely, um, obviously you don't want to discriminate against people that only speak one language because that's not necessarily the point of bilingualism, but um, definitely encourage um, your members to embrace bilingualism and also try your best to have a team that has the diversity when it comes to languages. Um, having a lot of people coming from French backgrounds um, really helps create a more, not just inclusive, but also representative environment because you're representing all students and all students don't only speak English. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely very important to have individuals that are more or less comfortable with English or more or less comfortable with French um, which really helps, you know, break down barriers and ultimately leads to the success of your club because if you're, everybody is in their circles and if somebody knows a lot of French-speaking people, they might bring them along with them okay. if they reach out to your club. Um, so having events that are available in French really helps widen your audience and overall just, you know, make everybody happy and create a very inclusive environment. So yeah, I think that's all we had for today. Um, we're going to finish the recording right here, but if you have any questions, leave them through whatever means you want. DM us, send us an email, send us a carrier pigeon, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you'll probably be able to access our ads as well if you have like personal questions to ask us. But um, otherwise, I think, this is it. <laughs> Thank you for coming today. Thank you for Thank being you for here. <laughs> yes, it was my first uh, online podcast experience. Nice. And <laughs> yes, so we're uh, we're not podcast virgins anymore. And it, I'm really happy to have you here. And I guess we're just going to end it here. All right. All right.